Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Monday, March 1st, 2021. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Big show coming up for you tonight. Mr. Joe Yurden, Buffalo Sabres insider, will be joining us to talk plenty of Sabres because the Islanders are going to be seeing them quite a bit this week. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well, Shawnee. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good because the Isles had a very good week, pal. And uh, I'm happy that my six out of eight points prediction was wrong. It was seven. <laughs> How about that? I'll How do you like them apples? It was good. Yeah, I mean, we were both wrong. It's so, great you that know. you're here. It's great that you're here. I don't know here. if that was you're directing that at me or what. I don't know who, whose okay. apples you were taking. I don't know. Oh, okay, great. So, thanks for joining us here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. I want to remind everybody we are happily sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Please head on over for great food, great people, and fantastic service. And you can check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. We're also sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optum, and Verizon, Give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. You know, I just didn't know if you were talking to me. You, buddy, you don't have to explain yourself. It's okay. Who else would I be talking to? You're literally I the only other person here. Well, it could have been just talking to the audience, breaking that fourth wall. Well, we're clearly thing. talking to them, too. I'm just saying. Buddy, we're clear. just getting started here. You it better get it clear. together. It wasn't clear who we you got were a, We got a big to. show here. Islanders are playing well. We need you at high performance as well, and, and you're off to a bad start. It wasn't like you were trying to prove a point to me because neither one of us got that prediction right. No. No, it was just it was more the general, how do you like them apples? They got seven out of eight points. Don't take it so personal, man. I'm not taking it personally. Christian's breaking down here, folks. I apologize. Live on air. This is rough. You got you to gotta pick it up, man. All right. All right. Let's get into it here, pal. So near perfect week, seven out of eight points. I didn't predict that. No, you didn't. <laughs> so I'm not taking credit for it. But like I said, happy to be wrong. They, <laughs> they, they smoked the Bruins. They finally got revenge on the Penguins. And they currently sit tied with Boston for second place with 26 points in the East Division and two behind Washington. What do you say, C.A.? It was a big week, especially those points against the Pittsburgh Penguins with them coming in to Long Island. Uh, good game on Sunday night, obviously, with the... The kids really leading the way there. That was a huge moment for the Islanders organization yes. in a big picture kind of view because you had Ilya Sorokin playing phenomenally in net. You had Noah Dobson playing phenomenally on defense and yep. Oliver Wallstrom, who's really kind of come into his own enough where Islander fans are feeling pretty good about themselves to almost say he's better than uh, Alexis Lafonnier, which I, <laughs> I found interesting. And, and I mean, I, get, I guess, uh, I guess at this very specific every, moment in good. time, yes. that's true. Everyone's feeling good about the Islanders yeah. right now. And, and Wallstrom and, and those three should absolutely be commended for the way they played on Sunday. Saturday, obviously, the Islanders get the point, but they let the two points slip away Again. there with the uh, third period lead slipping away as well. So, yeah. And then, obviously, a big game against the Boston Bruins, who they've continually dominated again this this year, which is uh, surprising, to say the least, the way things Things that you probably didn't see coming. Oh, 100%. Did right. not see that coming. Yeah, but we'll take it. 
here in Islander country. Yes, Islander fans will absolutely take it. And like you said, it's certainly uh, points are points, and, and that is going to be crucial. We've talked about it all season long, and, and it continues to be the theme of the year for the Islanders and Barry Trotz because at the end of the day, the Islanders need as many points as they can get because it is neck and neck and neck and neck and neck. For the uh, four spots in the Eastern Division. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they couldn't have turned it on at a better time. And, you know, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but you look at the schedule and you see who's coming up and more bankable points if they keep playing the way they're playing. As long as they don't fall into that trap of getting into that mindset that playing you just, down to your opponent, you just well, I mean, looking at the opponent, and, yeah, taking it for granted, I, um, yeah, because the Buffalo Sabers, even though they are going through a, a lot of turmoil to say the least, which we will be talking to Joe about, absolutely should not be taken lightly. The New Jersey Devils are a competitive team; they should not be taken lightly. So there are obviously points to be had in these upcoming games, these four upcoming games for the New York Islanders. But at the same time, you don't want to fall into the trap of oh, because they're playing Buffalo, oh, because they're playing New jersey these are games that they should have that they will have automatically because that's just not the mindset that's going to win you hockey games or pick up points in the standings it's still the nhl christian so shame on you for even suggesting it sean hey man i'm just calling it like it is okay just calling it like it is we (laughs) we got it we got to get we got to get it together here man we got it we got to find some peace all right so we can get this show going isn't that what we've been doing the last five minutes? I don't know, man. I don't know. So let's let's talk with some general stuff here. The Islanders remain the only team in the NHL undefeated in regulation at home at 7-0-2. And, and with that in mind, Christian, we touched on this a little bit with Kinger last week. But does this kind of, you know, and I don't want to make fans upset over this, but does this kind of maybe downplay the whole home fan advantage situation where you look at not only the Islanders but other teams across the league that have had a lot of su- success at home and is it does it come more down to the stuff like having the you know the last change and being able to put you know wait for the other team to put their stick down on the face off like little advantages like that that give you the upper hand over the course of things that actually matter in the game rather than, you know, how loud the fans are in the crowd. You know, I think it just it just changes what the home ice advantage means. And I think that when you look at what's been going on in the National Hockey League and when you look at how teams are playing on the road compared at home, I I would imagine more or less that it's not a, an indication or an indictment on the idea that, the all right, having, you know, passionate fans in the building don't necessarily make a difference on the ice, but rather... It is a sort of extension of having a little bit of normalcy because when you're home, you can have your routine a lot more, which is the biggest thing for these guys. It's not necessarily the fans in the building. It's not necessarily this or that. It's having your routine and being able to stick to it, especially in the era of COVID when there are so many different new quirks every game day that you have to adhere to and and abide by. So I think being able to have that, that routine that's more normal to what you're used to doing having a little bit more freedom when you're at home compared to I'm when you're sure on the road. I'm sure that adds to it, yeah. You're confined to really just the rank in your hotel room. And it's mm-hmm. not like before when, if you were on the road, you're going out to dinner with teammates, you're hanging out in hotel rooms, or even in the bubble where you had that those common areas that you could hang mm-hmm. out with your teammates. It is, you're very isolated. It's a much different feeling. It's a much different environment. So I think that has more to do with the success of certain teams at home rather than, whether they're fans in, in this scenario. When we get back to normal, when you have fans in the building, when those factors become a part of the game again, then I think that re, re, it comes back as a factor in the home ice advantage and the, the feel to 
why teams play better at certain arenas and, and why teams don't play well on the road at certain arenas. Nassau Coliseum is a great example of a building that's tough to play in when there are fans in the building, but it's also tough to play in because the Islanders are able to get into their routine and they're able to be comfortable and stick to that Islander style of hockey. And it's made easier by the fact that they're not in this weird kind of situation like they are when they're on the road, when there's so many limitations, when there really is nothing else for you to do but just sit in your room and, and do nothing. So these lengthy road trips become a bit of a, a mental uh, a mental exercise of being able to keep yourself in the moment as well as that physical exercise of actually being part of the game. Yeah, look, I'm sure all of that factors in. It's just very interesting to me because before we've had these weird settings and seasons like this, mm-hmm. people put a hell of a lot of stock in the atmosphere and in the crowd and in, you know, the energy, you know, and, and you hear it from the players and the coaches all the time. Yeah, we feed off of that. And, I'm, and look, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that they do. I, I just find it also interesting that you're still seeing a lot of teams that's, you know, have better home records than road records where the fans really haven't come into play there. So I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate here as far as, you know, just how much stock is there in in the, in the crowd atmosphere? Not to say it's not great. Look, I'd rather have fans in the seats. I'd rather have the pandemonium, and and I'm sure, and you know that the players do too. But I just find it interesting now that you can still see that that these teams are still having success without the support of their fans in the building. Well, I, I mean, it's not like the the teams were going to start losing games because there weren't fans in the building. I think that idea know. is is <laughs> is crazy. Um, I mean, I think even the the suggestion of it is is a bit silly to be honest. But I'm not um, saying that's what would happen. But when you look at at the factors that are going on here, the environmental factors, everyone's kind of playing in the same condition. There's no right. there's no teams playing with fans in the building except save for one or two. And so, well, a couple more as, you know, cities and states kind of lift certain restrictions. Pittsburgh Penguins, for instance, will be having fans next week, I believe, back in the building. Um, there, Pennsylvania is allowing 15% in mm-hmm. for sporting events. Uh, and they already started having some of the garden, right? At the right, Rangers. that started up when, oh, when last week when they mm-hmm. opened up the building, or, or was it two weeks ago now? Um, and obviously, you know, down in Florida, there are teams that have uh, have fans in the building. But I think sure. the point of what I'm, the, where I'm going with this is that there is a much more, you know, more teams don't aren't playing with are playing in the same environment, which is no one's in the building. You're just playing in front of media and in front of staff, and so the X factor kind of changes when everyone's playing in the same condition of all right, these are full buildings, there are people in the stands. There, that's a different a different atmosphere. It's a different game going on than when you when the conditions that we have right now are, are in play. So I, I think it changes. I think mm-hmm. what impacts home ice advantage and what doesn't impact home ice advantage changes. When you put fans back in these buildings, that now becomes a big part of the home ice advantage. Right now, it's just being able to stay in your routine and have some sort of normalcy and interaction with other people and a little bit more freedom compared to um, when you have to travel and you have to, you know, these very strict restrictions that you have to abide by. It throws off your rhythm. Okay. I feel you. I feel you. I don't know why you hate the fans, Sean. Why do you hate the fans? I don't hate the fans. Sounds like you do. I don't. I don't. I love the fans. I love the fans. I I can't wait to get back in myself. Mm -hmm. And it's coming. It's coming. March 18th. There you go. March 18th. It's not far away. No. Which is something we recently learned as well. March 18th, finally, the date set for fans to be back in the building. And they have some, you know, protocols that fans are going to have to go through. Not exactly convenient, but they're trying to do the right thing, which you understand. You know, but look, they're going to do ten percent, and they're going to go by season ticket holders, and you know, I guess seniority, right? And then kind of trickle on down. So I'd be curious to see if they even make it to the general public because, 
you'd think that they have a decent sized enough fan base where, you know, they'll probably be eaten. They'll probably be eaten up by the season ticket holders before the tickets even make it to. Well, the I think there is something to be said for the fact that how many season ticket holders are going to be willing to go through the hoops that it'll be point. to get into the point. building in the first place. Now, True. one of the things that the Islanders, the, the Islanders, you know, um, facts page right, said was that they were partnering with Northwell Health to kind of streamline the process so that fans are able to get their tickets in hand uh, or their tests in hand, I should say. So it'll be interesting. Buffalo, by the way, the Buffalo Sabres, who we will be, uh, the Islanders will be facing, we'll be talking to Joe Yurden about in just a few minutes. Yeah. They play their first game in front of fans uh, on Tuesday at the Garden. There you go. So all comes full circle. It's, it's, it's coming back, and I'm excited about it. We're getting closer and closer, so that's good stuff. But, folks, want to thank you for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night. And why? We're going to break for Joe Yurden. We'll be right back. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com that's thai t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service the only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. That's right. This is Hockey Night in New York. Brought to you by our friends at Blue Line Deli. Brought to you by our friends at Thai Technology. That's right. And of course, now is the time for our On the Line segment. Brought to you again by our friends from Thai Technology. And on the line with us is Joe Yurden, the Buffalo Sabres insider. He's going to help us break down this week's upcoming matchups with the Buffalo Sabres. So if you are excited to see Buffalo three times, <laughs> then the next uh, few minutes here are going to be thrilling for you. Joe, how are you today? Doing great, guys. It's good to be on with you and uh, talk about uh, this uh, drama bomb of a team that is the Sabres. <laughs> oh, my God. 
it's funny. I mean, you look at the Buffalo Sabers right now, Joe, and um, it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between what's going on in Buffalo now and between what we saw with the New York Islanders in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, late nineties. Um, certainly, a lot of drama going on right now, Joe. What what is I mean, I guess what is the biggest surprise to you right now with everything that's kind of encompassed the Buffalo Sabers? Because I think there was like every year there was a lot of optimism about this team. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's surprising is the lack of offense with this entire team. Um, you know, the the crazy part with them is that it feels like it's a dam that's going to break at some point, uh, and it doesn't, and it hasn't <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, you know, you've got guys like Taylor Hall, you've got Jack Eichel, you've got Jeff Skinner, even when he you know when he's in the lineup, uh, you've got Victor Olofsson, you've got Eric Stahl. I mean, you've got all these guys, Sam Reinhardt, you've got all these people that can score and they can score, you know, they've scored a ton in the past and they're generating chances and none of them are going in, whether it's the goaltenders having outstanding games or, you know, the posts are getting in the way or, you know, what have you. I mean, we've already seen the Islanders goalies have a couple of just absolutely knockout games against Buffalo where, you know, you know, Varlamov makes a big save against uh, Olofsson. I think uh, I forget which game it was, but he makes a big glove save against them early and it just completely deflated the Sabres. And then, you know, Sorokin goes on and has a, has a shutout against them the next game. And it's just like, all right, well, you know, one, one big save just throws everything <laughs> out of whack, I guess, for an entire series. But, yeah, the offense is, is a huge problem. But the problem for them now is that other things are starting to, are starting to fall down like, like uh, houses of cards uh, around them because the offense isn't clicking. Well, Joe, first and foremost, great to have you back on the show. It's been a while, so welcome back. Awesome to, awesome to have you on. And, you know, it's been a while since we have had you on, and I feel like every time we do, Joe, we're having the same conversation, man. The same conversation, it's just a different cast of characters. You know, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's the players on the ice, I feel like I keep, my first question off the top of the interview every time is, what's going on up there? When are they going to get it together? (laughs) You know, it's funny. It's funny that you guys mentioned the uh, the 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 time for the Islanders, the late '90s, early 2000s time. And I was like, I never put it in that sort of frame of thought that this is very similar. But then I remembered the Islanders had their Ted Nolan years, and then yeah, you know, the Sabers yeah, literally <laughs> the Sabers brought back Ted Nolan, and now they're having their their post Ted Nolan years, and uh, and none of it's working. I, I don't know. I'm forgive me for being totally forgetful about those years after the island you know after no the after nolan years of the islanders i know you know millberry was around and all that but i forget most of the coaches that were around um (laughs) and i I can't really say that's the case with the sabers because everybody remembers dan bilesma because he won a stanley cup at pittsburgh they remember phil housley because he was so good with nashville and uh i I, you know now ralph kruger Oh boy, Ralph Kruger's carving out himself <laughs> quite a legacy now with with having this this fight with Jeff Skinner, you know, a fight that's not a fight with Jeff Skinner, and you know now he got busted lying about what happened with Jack Eichel, why he was out of the lineup, you know, where he says he got hurt in warmups, and then Jack says, you know, very kind of nonchalantly, no, I got hurt against New Jersey, it wasn't in warmups, and then Ralph after that says, well, actually. Actually, Jack had a few different injuries, so that's why he was out of the game. And it's like, wow, oh boy, okay. So you know, it, it's it, it's a bad scene right here now. And after eight or nine years of not making the postseason, I think this is going on year ten. Uh, yeah, 
it, it's it's bad, and the fans are they've had it for a few years now, and they're just absolutely losing their mind. It it does sound familiar to folks down here on the <laughs> island, Joe. I have to say, so once you say eight nine years, I'm like, oh man, yeah, I remember those times. Yeah, it mm-hmm. took that long. So you talk about the the drama that's going on, and you know, looking from afar here, you know, you start to see whether it's some tweets or maybe even some headlines about Jack Eichel and. Maybe getting a little upset up there. Maybe getting a little impatient. Do you do you see that kind of turning into a problem in the near term? Do you think this is something that uh, will iron itself out, or, or do Buffalo Sabres fans have to worry about his mindset and, and where he might want to be for his future and, and and to have some success in this league? Well, I think the worry about Jack started after last season ended when they were they finished twenty fifth in the league when the top twenty four got to go on to the uh, the postseason fun yeah. party and yeah. all it would have taken was one win instead of one loss during the entire season. Swap one L for a W and they they wind up in there instead of Montreal. So like that's that kind of thing sticks out and Jack being sore about that, I mean how do you how do you fault him? You know, especially right. for every year that he's been here you know, ever since his first year with Dan Bilesma as the coach when they had 81 points, that was their best season that he's had in the NHL as a team. Wow. Like that's, I mean, him individually, he's had, you know, each season he's been even better. And last year, very deservedly got votes for MVP, even though Buffalo, you know, was 25th in the league. Yeah. It would have been a very Alex Rodriguez-like MVP <laughs> finalist nice. uh, vote for him if he made it. But, um but fans started getting worried last year because honestly, the fans are fans are e- e- as as sick about it of all the losing as Jack is, and everybody starts having a bit more empathy for Jack when they consider he he came here to get this thing turned around. They haven't put anything around him to really help it out. You know, Tim Murray kind of scratched the plan to to slowly rebuild and said, "Nope, we're going to do it all now." And he gets mm. he gets O'Reilly, he gets Evander Kane, he gets Robin Leonard, he gets all, all these guys who are individually great players. Yeah, and then they all just didn't work out for different reasons, and that stinks. Um, but now we're with Jack in what year? Year, what, year six, year seven now oh for God, him. God, it's been that long already. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> wow. I think it's year six. If okay. I, uh, 20, class of 2015. Yeah, okay. so this is year, year five, year six, man. I, I don't know. Every It's been that kind of run where everything just runs together now. Sure, where time, I hear you. Time seems to slow down, and yet it keeps marching on. But, <laughs> right. um, but, you're, in this, but you're at this point now where every season Jack's been in, his best, the best season the team's had is his rookie year, Jeez. and they still finish far out of the playoff race. So... Can you fault him? I mean, they, they, they've been, you know, a top five worst team in the league a few times. They've been a top 10 worst team every year. Like, I don't know. At some point, you just have to say, like, get me out of here, man. Like, yeah. And that time is coming soon because he has a no move con- a no move clause that kicks in after the 21-22 season, which we all know you get to control your destiny at that point. And you got to think that if Jack is done with it after if they don't have something figured out by the end of next season, He's going to say, all right, move me to the Rangers, move me to the Bruins, move me to wherever, and I got the final say. I've got the hammer. So, you know, it just seems logical to think that if they don't have this squared away, I mean, they got, what, 35 games to go here. If they somehow, somehow, some way figure out how to, to learn how to play hockey again here and get the season turned around <laughs> and get themselves into, oh, like, the number four spot. Yeah. Cool. Great. Like, <laughs> then you can start making progress on to next season. Right. Um, but if they don't, and this thing crashes out like every other season has with him here, I mean, it's hard to imagine that he'll say, 
yeah, no, I, I, I'm good for another year here, guys. It's cool. Let's go. You know, meanwhile, they've they've messed around with the contracts for Sam Reinhart. You know, they go out and get Taylor Hall to help him feel better. That's great. But all of his buddies are just kind of like they all end up leaving town some way. And at some point, Jack's going to say enough of this already. Joe, this sounds uncomfortably Dire. familiar. Though it sounds uncomfortably <laughs> familiar to some scenarios that went down here and in the not so distant past. So like I'm hearing you say all this and I'm, and it's just taking me back there and I'm like, man, I'm just feeling for the fans up there right now. Like <laughs> that is tough to hear. It's very tough to hear. Well, the thing, like I, I know you're thinking of like Tavares, yeah. but like at least with Tavares, it was Barzal. Barzal was right there. Right. In this case, like, and he had a taste Dylan- of the playoffs and he still right. left. Right. <laughs> Yeah, right, still left. Yeah. But like, is Dylan Cousins a good enough guy to to replace Jack Eichel? <laughs> I, don't I don't know about yeah. that. Like, that's right. that's that's putting a really big shoe on Dylan Cousins' foot, and I don't know if that's the right fit. Talking with Joe Yurden, Buffalo Sabers insider, here on the line, brought to you by our friends at Thai Technology. Joe, obviously, with all the drama going on, I, I guess you have to wonder, or even look at, at ownership here and. Um, the Pagula family, who have had astounding success with the Buffalo Bills, but almost kind of in, in contrast to the New York Rangers here in New York, where the Rangers have been very successful under the ownership of James Dolan and not so much under uh, his stewardship of the New York Knicks. The Buffalo Sabres have been uh, not great under the uh, stewardship of the Pagulas, but the but the Bills have been phenomenal. Where where is the the kind of disconnect there that Buffalo sports is doing so well in one aspect, but not so well in the other? Well, it's that's uh, that's a bit of a mystery to itself <laughs> because well, I, I mean it's it's obvious it's Sean McDermott and uh, Brandon Bean were able to get things under control with the, with the bills. Uh, because after, after they fired Doug Whaley and they fired Rex Ryan, uh, it seemed like, all right, well, this is, this has got to be as low as it can be as it can get, you know, how, you know, how much different can it be? And, you know, they go out and they get McDermott and McDermott brings Bean in from the, from the Carolina Panthers with him. And the, I think what happens here is that McDermott was a guy that was kind of, was kind of put on a platter to the NFL years ago, even before they hired Rex Ryan, uh, and they said, and the NFL was like, "Hey, you might want to talk to this guy. He might be of some help." Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> and you know, they're like, "Well, we got an interview with this other guy. Let's see how this goes." And then they brought in Rex Ryan, and Rex Ryan, you know, puts on the dazzle show, which he's a smooth <laughs> talker. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. I, smooth talker, and like show. he can he can put on a show for you to say like, "Oh man, this guy's gonna win us some games." Yeah, like. All right. I mean, everybody, in the, every Jets fan in the world will knock him, but he's also the guy that got the Jets to the AFC Championship a couple of times. So, I mean, you know, take, you know, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. But, um, but McDermott ends up coming back to him, and then they get in there, and then they kind of find a way to, 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 to talk. They know the way to talk to the Pagoulas to kind of keep them off their case and say, listen, wow. we know what we're doing with the football team. Let us handle our business. Now, they got very fortunate with Josh Allen. Let's let's not get it wrong here. Allen, his first two seasons, not great. Right. You know, his rookie season was terrible. Second season was a little better. Still not great. Was unbelievable last year. So they've been very fortunate that that development worked out. But now you're looking at, well, if he has a bad season next season, what do they pay him? You know, because if he has another season like he does this year and he's an MVP guy, they got to pay him 40, 45 million a year. Right. They ask as the a, price as goes a top way quarterback. Up. Yeah. So the problem here is that they've. I, I mean, at least on the outside, the appearances tell you they kind of look at Ralph Kruger and Kevin Adams as like they're Bean and McDermott. 
because they're saying like, well, you know, listen, we're 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 picking these guys. We're going to get them in place. This is going to be our dynamic duo. They'll get it figured out. Problem there is that they thought Jason Bottrell and Phil Housley were going to be that. Right. We're going to be right. That. They thought yeah. Tim Murray and Dan Bilesmo were mm-hmm. going to be able to yeah. be that duo. And they weren't. So and they thought Pat LaFontaine and Tim Murray were going to be the dynamic front God. office duo. And then Pat LaFontaine was like, get me out of here man like this is this is too much he's been known so, to get out when things aren't looking so good we, we can remember that down here yeah. too yeah I, again the similarities with the, with the island <laughs> yeah that's some, that's coming out all over here. the place <laughs> so so i mean it, it it's it's the kind of thing where they're trying to they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice with the same sort of setup the only problem is is that even though mcdermott and bean weren't you know, proven necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're kind of proven in Carolina to a degree. Uh, Kruger unproven based on one half season with Edmonton yeah. and Kevin Adams has never been a GM before in his life. So it's, it's the thing where you got to hope that it, that it works out, but I don't know that they have, they don't have the time or the credibility with hockey fans to be able to sit back and go, no, let it breathe. Let these guys yeah. get it done. They'll take care of it. Like they're, they're out of opportunity. Joe, I, I just want to point out, you made a ton of football references that I got, and I'm sure most of our <laughs> listeners did not. Sean just sat there and for, tried to pretend like he knew exactly what you were talking about, but maybe the only name he recognized was Rex Ryan. I did recognize that name. I did. I did. The I man, like, yep, Jets, uh-huh. The man is yep. oblivious to anything but hockey, which is is quite entertaining in that moment. Just watching him be like, yep, yep, totally, totally agree with what you I actually saw you look at me once, and I, I was like, I know a Christian sick right now. <laughs> <laughs> I won't lie. I kind of saw the deer, deer in the headlights look from you. So. <laughs> I was watching the birds fly by, man. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but, but Joe, in this scenario, I, I mean, how much time? Uh, how much time do the, the Buffalo the Buffalo Sabers have? Uh, you look at what's gone on with Jeff Skinner. I, I mean, you have to imagine things have have gotten pretty icy there between him and management and the coaching staff, and even now with with um, you know Jack Eichel. You know, like you were saying before. The, top, the clock is ticking. There's not a lot of time to convince this guy that this is the place mm-hmm. to be. Even when you're talking about a guy like Taylor Hall, who signed there to one year, one year. and was, oh, was said, you know, comes in and says, oh, I'm open to being here. You know, this is a pot place that I could see myself for, for long term, if the case may be. How do you convince these guys? And again, this is the same conversation, you know, Sean and I and many other people have had for years here on Long Island um, when things were not going well. But how do you, how, you know, I mean, how do you change the culture here? Which it seems like that, that appears to be the biggest issue with the Buffalo. Sabers, yeah, and that I mean that leads into more weirdness of late. Where <laughs> sweet, um, where well, uh, Don Meehan is Jeff Skinner's agent, and he said that he spoke with Kevin Adams uh, to you know about being scratched for three games, and why wouldn't you? Your guys being paid nine million dollars a year and had just scored forty goals two years ago. Makes sense. Um, and uh, you know, Ralph Kruger was asked about that, and he said he didn't know. He, he wasn't aware of any of that, but he said that he and Adams are in constant communication. So it's like, all right, well, which is it? Did you know or did you not know? Like yeah. everything feels like that a few good men moment where you're asking who ordered the code red, you know, like and you're just waiting for him to have his Jack Nicholson moment and, you know, saying, you know, you can't handle the truth. Well, OK, I mean, <laughs> fine, I, I guess. But. Um, but as far as the, looking ahead for the future, I mean, it all really hinges on what Jack wants to do, yeah. uh, to, uh, to be perfectly blunt. And if Jack wants to get out, I mean, the players are going to know about that uh. before anybody does. Yeah. Like, you know, Jack's going to talk to them and he, they're going to be like, dude, he ain't staying. I ain't staying. You know, like, you know, Sam, you know, like Sam Reinhardt's going to have to sign a new contract next summer. 
if Jack's not saying, why would he want to stick around for it? You know, same for Taylor Hall. Um, you know, and for, you know, for the guys that are still stuck on entry level deals, well, you know, you can ask for a trade, I guess, but like, why, <laughs> you know, at that point, you're just, you're just kind of stuck playing it out and hoping that maybe you get lumped in with one of the trades that gets somebody <laughs> set out of town. But yes. I mean, it's, it's, things look really dire and the, the, the emotions run really hot and cold here, but like this team would have to win 15 in a row to get fans to be like, all right. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm coming back into this yeah. right now. Yeah. The last couple of years, they've had those, you know, those long winning streaks. You know, let, remember last last October they started off six zero and one in October, and everybody was like, "Whoa, wait a minute, here we go, great season." And then they had the ten game win streak the year before that, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, first in the league, there we go!" And then they yeah. blew it, you know, blew up in the second half. So fans are they're almost numb to that too. So even a long winning streak isn't going to be enough to get people to to buy in. So that's. <laughs> That's where we're at, man. Like, it's, oh my god! It's it's, it's, it, it, <laughs> it's the perfect. You can't, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me, yeah. you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And everybody's like, no more. We're not shaming ourselves anymore. This is stupid. Talking with Joe Yurden here on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And if you're just joining us, no, we're not talking about the mid 2000s New York Islanders. We're talking about the current state of affairs <laughs> with the Buffalo or Sabres. The 90s Islanders, yeah. For that matter. Or the yeah, it's it's yeah. just the long history of, of bad there. But the Buffalo Sabers, bigger bigger tire fire apparently. But <laughs> <laughs> Islanders and Sabers do play later on this week three times. So if you're not That's uh, where I was gonna go, if you're yeah. not excited to see the Buffalo Sabers already, get excited because they'll be. Uh, They'll be coming to Long Island for three consecutive games, Joe. And obviously, with everything that's going on here, what is the three things that you're watching from this game uh, that'll be key factors for whoever wins uh, this uh, battle of two titans? What well, I, I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think in the Sabers' case, what I want to see is is some kind of fight, not an actual like fisticuffs, like you know line brawl. I don't I don't need to be seeing that. They don't have any guys that can really do that, anyways. But um, I want to see that. I want to see a pushback. I want to see some sort of like, you know, f this. Let's go for it. You know, like, you know, just let's let's have a chance here. Like, let's let's figure this out on our own and and go for it instead of just you know give up a goal and just be like, all right, we'll pack it in, fellas. That's it. Um, The the the, something I noticed in the in the two games with Philadelphia this weekend was, you know, one game without Eichel. Okay, you can kind of write that off immediately and just say like, well, no Jack, no no chance. Um, But the but the second game they had Jack and they put out they got outshot I think twenty one twelve in the second period when Philly posted all three of their goals. They they you know they had like twenty seven shots in in all and it was just terrible philly spent the entire third period just saying like whatever we're we're cruising out of here with a win if we get the shutout cool if not yeah. Yeah, whatever we're getting a win but like there was no pushback there was no you know they weren't controlling the zone they weren't doing anything to really show that they were they were a threat to come back so show me some signs of life you know let me see eichel pop some in let me see hall pop some in let me see skinner pop one in here finally for the first time in 20 some 20 some games so you know, it, the problem there is that the Islanders are so difficult defensively and everything. And let's let's I'll be honest here. Ralph's system is not an offensive system. They do not play off the rush. They do not take chance. They do not take any chances offensively unless they're way down in a game, which at that point, who cares if you score a goal? It's garbage time. But like they don't do anything in the neutral zone to disrupt anything. The defensemen back up constantly. They're not very aggressive there. They want they they want to cut off all your chances. They want to have you shoot from the outside, nothing inside, 
which, hey, great, that's that's fine. Limit their, the other team's chances, but they don't do anything to push it back the other way. And when you're doing that with the Islanders, and if you get down one nothing against the Islanders, good night. Like, it's over. We saw that already with the, the couple of games last week. Granted, you know, that was fresh off of a COVID, uh, a COVID break for the right. Sabres, but right. healthy or not, the way they played, they were not scoring any goals to begin with. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's... It's that kind of thing where like they cannot afford to give up the first goal, and they they have to find a way to push back because otherwise the Isles are going to suffocate them. And they, they they the Sabers have shown this entire year they have no way to mount up the the guts, not the guts, but not mount up the chutzpah you need to really get back into a game. And Joe, I find that interesting that you mention that because you look at the names that they do have. They bring in Hall. They have Eichel, Reinhardt. I mean, it, I guess it's a little odd to me that they, would pl- they wouldn't play more of an offensive game when you have those sorts of weapons, especially with the way they've been struggling. Do you think that, that maybe that's a, a strategy they might want to reconsider if they want to try to turn the season around before it gets a little, little more bleak than it already is? Yeah, I, I would say that right now, if you've got that bag, if you've got that trick in your bag, it's time to use it. Um, they, they, the one thing they, they did do a little bit in the last game was they put together the line of Skinner, Eichel and Reinhardt, which in Phil Housley's last year is what got Jeff Skinner 40 goals. Um, And that was a dynamic line, one of the best lines in the NHL. Um, And he hasn't used that much at all. Uh, But he used it for a few shifts in the last game. And wouldn't you know, they generated seven shot shot attempts and gave up only one. Weird. That's great. <laughs> um, so I, maybe give it another chance. Yeah. Maybe try it for an entire game instead of trying to trying to force things to happen that haven't worked. You know, Victor Olsson's a great weapon on the power play. Five on five, though, he just yeah. has nothing. He's got nothing right now, and I hate I hate having to say that because I love him. He's a great player, mm. but man, he's got to he's got to get something figured out at five on five because otherwise he's just he's just a guy skating out, just skating the line out there like he's not really contributing much. So. Um, you know, I, I find a way to push things, but like you've got the guys that can make things happen offensively if you let them flow, if you let them push the game. I think Ralph's main worry, though, is that the game's going to get out of hand if you get loose defensively. And that's, listen, <laughs> Phil Housley's last year was entirely about being way too loose defensively, and they got outshot constantly. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's the weird spot that Ralph's in because. He has to manage that defensive side of thing because they cannot play run and gun hockey with anybody. Like they, they can't afford to do it because the goaltending is not good enough and the defense isn't strong enough. But they also can't afford to not allow their offense the freedom to to freewheel to make offense happen. But you got to give up one or the other. And I think in his mind, the safest play is to is to try to d up and. Man, oh man! Well, holding back guys like Eichel and Reinhardt and Hall and Skinner and even on defense yeah, with Dalene and Ristolainen, like holding those guys back from being able to help produce offensively really hurts the squad. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, Joe, awesome stuff. Really appreciate you coming on, and I hope the hockey up there gets a little better for you and the Sabres fans up there because, uh, I mean, it's high time. It's It's been so long. I want to I wanna start talking about how good the Sabres are doing with you, buddy, because like I said, it's been like the same conversation year hey, after just think year. just about it. 2010-2011 was the last time they were in the playoffs. Good that was God. it. And Danny Briere and Billy Leno helped knock them out in the playoffs with Philly. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, Joe, here's the better times, man. Great talking yeah. to you. Hope to have you on, on again soon, and uh, be good, man. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, folks, that was the great Joe Yerden, Buffalo Sabres insider, talking plenty of Sabres up there in northern New York.
So Western New York. Western, Northwestern. It's north of here. But it's considered north of here. Western New York. All right. Well, we don't have to get into semantics here, Christian. It's not semantics. It's another it's area. Factual. Okay. So <laughs> moving on. So a lot of doom and gloom up oh there, man. Oh, my God. I've never. <laughs> I was, I was, my mood was changing. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting sad. It's like, oh, boy, Joe, stop. Yeah. Stop, Joe. But. Again, but you know what though? I, I couldn't help but sympathize because like every almost every other word he was saying, I was like, Yeah, yeah, remember that. Yep, <laughs> yep, remember that too. Yeah, Been there. That sounds awful. Done that. So at least uh Islander country can can hear that sorry tale of woe for the Sabres and and relate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and I'm maybe, sure they never want to go back to that. Right. So I'm they not never want to relate again. I'm not gonna be quick to pile on and, and start laughing at them up there. It's a shame because, I mean, it's funny, you know, he mentions Housley and, and all these different people that were behind the bench and in the, in the uh, you know, the managing seat and stuff like that. And so they've, they've had this, this just rotating rotation of guys and they just can't get it yeah. together. And the names that, it, that they've had and they just, nothing. It is it is wild, but like you said, it's almost like kind of watching your own story in in on TV. It's just right. not like, it's it's a little too close to home like, sometimes when you right. hear some of the stories. It's, you're like, oh wow, <laughs> like yeah, I, we do remember that down here. How bad it was. It's like, kind of like the uh, the how it started, how it's going meme. It really is <laughs> you know, like the Sabers, how it started, the Islanders, how it's going. I guess, but yeah, glad not to be in those shoes right now. That's rough. I remember the days of covering the bad Islanders here, and it was. I tell you what, pretty. I mean, start fun. placing your bets now. I don't think Jack Eichel's going to be. A Buffalo Saber for much longer. As soon as he has the chance to get out of there, it sounds like he's gone. I mean, and I don't think he's the type of guy that's you know I want to stay with the team that drafted me. He wants to win. He does. He but he was he was a guy. You know, in fairness, he was a guy that went to Buffalo and and you know that was that was the year that everyone was. Um, what was that year? Who was the big draft pick that year? Wasn't the you know the Sabers came in second in that draft year? Wasn't Eichel? That Are was you the talking number about one pick. Connor McDavid? Yes, yeah, yeah. The guy so, who plays for the Oilers? Yeah, that guy. Oh, okay. I, I think I've heard of him once. Or yeah, yeah. Mm. Decent in hockey. But right. remember, right, he went there. He's like, I want, you know, he was all hyped to go to Buffalo. Right, was, We right, wanted to right, turn right. things around there. And he sure. Just, I mean, you got to feel for, you got to feel for the guy. He's, he went to a situation that was actually not terrible, all things considered. Like, it seemed like getting Eichel would have been the turnaround. And yeah. It's, it's turned around, but just in the wrong direction. <laughs> I don't know where it turned, but uh, it's not it's not good up there. But... Let's bring it back to Islander hockey, Christian. And the Islanders will play the Sabres three times three this week. Three times. Three times in a row. Mini series. Yeah. All at home. Yes. Yeah. Well, all, all, all makeup games. Well, two makeup games, I think. Right, right. The, the, the schedule. One of them, actually, stuff. only one of them might have been the makeup game. And then two have been kind of maneuvered around. There's so much schedule juggling that, you know, it's hard to keep straight sometimes. But yeah. the yeah. Islanders play the Sabres three times. And as we were alluding to earlier in the show, you don't want to get into a, a, a situation <laughs> yes. where you're counting those points already before those games happen, even yeah. you know tomorrow night when they play the New Jersey Devils, which have been pretty competitive. And, and yep. you hear the Islanders talk about the, the Sabres, and yeah, I granted, I, I get that basically every team says this about the other team that they play because it's hockey and you never say anything bad about your opponent, <laughs> right. but... Right. You know the Islanders talk, class. often talk about how you know that's a good team over there, and, and and complimenting the Buffalo Sabers. And you look at those games against Buffalo the last couple times. I mean, it's not as though the Sabers played terribly, no. or that they and Joe mentioned you know played the the game know. that Sorokin had. He made some great saves. That could yeah. have been a different game. Yeah, and even Varlamov in uh, one of the other, at least one of the two other games that they played against him. So. You know, but that's that's how it goes for teams in that position. 
you know, you, you're going to struggle at, and and you're going to run into teams like the Islanders that give you nothing and that have two formidable goaltenders. So, yeah. and I mean, that's the thing, though. That's it's, it. Just sounds terrible up there. <laughs> it really does. Like I, I was, I was everything I heard. I was just like, that sounds really bad. It, it's not good. But but that's the thing with the Islanders. I mean, they put themselves in a spot where you know, night in and night out, they're giving themselves a chance to win for the most part. Outside of those yeah. those couple clunkers and that Except rough stretch for playing in the, the year. Pittsburgh Penguins. But even those games, like you look at some of them, they should have won more games. They should have won more guys. games against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes. And even some of the blowouts weren't necessarily blowouts, but you know, a couple bad minutes of hockey, and then ultimately that's going to cost you, and that's going to be the you know that's going that's a big thing this year, especially, but. Um, it's nothing that hasn't happened to good teams, bad teams, or in-between teams in, in the past. So. Well, enough about the dull swords up in northwestern, west-north New York. And I want to talk about the Islanders, the Islanders power play because it's still on fire. It's red hot. Yeah. Since, since the break, actually the start of February, pulled some numbers from the great Eric Hornick over at NYISkinny.com. Nine for 22. In February, that's forty point nine percent, almost forty one percent. Christian, almost forty one. Yeah, yeah, really close to forty one percent. Yeah, yeah. It's actually one point shy. Of well, it. point one, point one. Right, point right, one. right. So forty one percent almost. Yeah, very successful. I mean, they've been phenomenal. Very successful. And I think again, you know, we've talked about it the last couple of shows. You go back to the COVID break. I don't. I mean, I hate calling it COVID break, but the period of time where they weren't playing because the teams around them, namely the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> the but, pandemic soiree. Yeah. The, <laughs> the you know, um, it, was a, it was a COVID party, as you, I guess you would say. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, they had that, that week off because the Buffalo Sabres, you know, speaking of the Sabres, had, Enough about those guys. Had, the, had the outbreak on their team because of the New Jersey Devils, yeah. uh, who they also see this week, uh, coincidentally enough. Yes. So... They had really took the ball and ran with it. In that week, they focused on the power play. There was a big emphasis. It has in been practice, night and day, and it, night it and really day. has. And but also, I think it goes to don't point at me. That's rude. <laughs> I think it goes to who you've had on the the power play the last couple of games, especially. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Oliver Wallstrom has a lot to do with this turnaround of the Islanders' power play. Five power play points, four of them assists. You would think maybe more of them would be goals, but four of them are assists, and he's showing he can pass very well. Like that feed to Nelson all the way across. Pajot with the phantom attempt Mm -hmm. gets to Nelson, puts it in. So Wallstrom has been a revelation recently. He's 3-4-7 in 14 games played. That puts him at a 41-point pace in 82 games. Also riding a four-game point streak. Yeah, I thought it was five. Four. He's got five points in his last four games. Oh, Okay. That's what it was. Okay, fair enough. But the most exciting thing, Christian? Yes. This is the most exciting thing. Go on. <laughs> I'm waiting is with that, bated breath. Is that? Are you going to tell me it's exciting? I am. I am. No, it's it's the fact that, look, what what has been the general need that, that ourselves and fans alike have been talking about for this team? They it's need more firepower. Yeah. They need more scoring, right? Oh, they I need... thought you were asking me and I was going to respond and then you were going to... Oh, no, 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 no. I was going to answer my own question. No, no, no. This is my time. <laughs> no. So it's been scoring. It's been scoring. Yeah. And the beauty, beautiful thing here, we're seeing this guy develop right before our eyes. He's playing with a lot more confidence. He's getting time on the power play. Yep. He's He's got this Ovi-like cannon yeah. from the spot there. Oh, he's scoring his power play goals from the Ovi office. Yes, and he can successfully hit a one-timer, which has been a problem <laughs> for Islanders on the power play. I mean, not only can he actually connect, but it's a bullet. 
and it's yeah. and it's going on net, and it's a beautiful thing. And if this is something that can become consistent, it's very exciting because you have that question answered. You don't have to look outside anymore. You you have it from within, and not only that. You got the guy in his first year of an ELC. Mm-hmm. Cheap money, baby. Mm-hmm. That means you don't have to move the roster around, maybe lose a guy you don't want to lose, a la Devin, Devon Taves not too long ago. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make all these different moves to try to bring somebody else, whether it's Taylor Hall in the offseason or at the trade deadline, which I don't think would happen anyway. But my point is is that this might be the Islanders answering their own own question here, and they can put the focus somewhere else, whether it's getting a depth defenseman for the for the run. They may not have to really supplement this team if this is a guy who can start munching more minutes up as a forward, start putting in more points. He looks fantastic next to Pajot, who's also been playing phenomenal. So this is very exciting for New York Islander fans. I can tell by the excitement <laughs> in your voice. <laughs> that whole, no, but it, it really is. You look at what Oliver Wallstrom has done, and, and Sean obviously just went through all of his stat lines. And basically anything I could touch upon, he, Sean had just done that in the last uh, two minutes or You're so. You're welcome. But I think the bigger, uh, the bigger thing is just the way that he's been playing, the confidence in his game, and it's shown, and the fact that he's not afraid to shoot the puck. Yes. And you talk about the assists that he's had, which which is surprisingly higher than the goals that he's had, but I think right. a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's putting the puck on the net, and it's giving the guys down low an opportunity yeah. to clean up those rebounds. So yeah. the other thing that the Islanders have always, and we've yelled and screamed at it for years, is the fact they don't shoot the puck. Now you have a guy that's going out there, yes. and he's firing They've the puck. They've been missing this for such a long time. And it's night and day now, and you're right, 100% spot on, Sean, where you look at what they're. Oh, I wish I didn't have to say that. That's, I was really. Hoping no, go, I could what, go, go ahead. Through. You look at it, it's night and day the way that this team has been able to play when he's shooting the puck and you have guys down low now. The Anders Lee are able to get those goals. Brock Nelson's down low. JG Pajot, the game winning goal um, against the Buffalo Sabres, right? If I'm not mistaken, or was it Boston? Um, Pajot had the game winning goal on the power play, uh, but it was a rebound goal. I can't remember it all. You know, so many games already. It's okay. But they know. Regardless. That the point being is they're right there. He's shooting the puck and it's giving those guys an opportunity. It's creating the scoring chances. So they're in good position. Pajot is putting the puck on the net and it's creating all these good opportunities. Sorry, someone just someone just wrote in big letters in the chat, cheap money, baby. <laughs> in quotes. <laughs> That's it. So uh it really is exciting, and I think that it's like like I said at the beginning of the show as well, it's a real exciting time. Because of the bigger implications you have here. Yeah. You have not only um, Oliver Wallstrom I- I- impacting these games, and, and, but you're having these other young yes, guys too. The youth movement. And when you look at it, one of the big things was always about how this team has gotten older. It's much older now. I mean, you know, Anders Lee is in his late 20s now. He's in, yeah. in the prime of his career. Brock Nelson in his late 20s. All these character guys, these these core guys, I should say, that we talked about years ago, being like, oh, these are, this is the youth movement. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's now. It's not so much the youth movement anymore. They're yeah. the veterans on this team. Oh, but yeah. now when you look at the Islanders and the contributions they're getting from other players – the youth movement, the youth infusion is, is picking up again because obviously you have the the Wallstroms, the Dobsons, and the Sorokins now, but also Anthony Beauvillier, who's still in his early 20s. He's 23. Yeah. Um, he's contributing now, and he's turning in that corner. Barzell. Matthew Barzell, who's the cornerstone of this organization right now. He is, you know, he is the superstar. He is the number one. He's the go-to guy. Yep. And he's 23, still in his in his early career. That has to be really exciting. And then you add these young pieces in yes. there, and that is a huge thing for the Islanders they going create forward. A, they create a nice balance 
where you're not as concerned about that top heavy when I say top heavy age wise right with those guys who oh, we're talking about yeah. now all of a sudden you can have and it's balanced throughout the but throughout many things not just the roster mm-hmm. the lineup but also again you have to keep an eye on the cap situation and yeah. when you have guys like Dobson and Wallstrom, to a lesser extent, Sorokin, because he's already kind of going to get a little more money than maybe yes. an entry-level deal yes. and stuff like that. It's a different but, circumstance there. But it's still, you're able to put high talent at the bottom of the, the cap roster, and so it, it just makes things a lot more flexible. And and it gives a little more hope for, for you know success here in the immediate and maybe even in the future, whereas, I mean, look, a, a big concern at, at Islander France has been, you know, is this team just going to kind of meander in this really good team spot and not take it to that level of being a, a true contender right. because they didn't have the cap space to bring in that scoring help where Oliver Wallstrom's like, hey guys, I might be able to help, help you out with that. <laughs> so, I mean, it, that's why, you know, it's got me excited, <laughs> as we've said here, because... because maybe yeah. we should think of another, uh, another descriptive word, yeah, maybe. another adjective. Maybe. Uh, I'm encouraged by, <laughs> by what's going, going on. on no, but for real, though, it's... it's uh, it's something to uh, now. I'm trying not to use that word. Something to <laughs> look forward to. Going sure, forward. but but the thing is, it's early, right? It's only been a few games, but you're seeing it. You see the potential. You can't help but start thinking thinking about it, looking ahead, and seeing what this might mean for the team. Especially because on top of this this youth movement that's happening with these guys, the secondary scoring has been picking yeah. up too. Where we're talking about guys like Pajot. He's been an absolute beast lately. Three points in his last four games this week. Uh, two power play goals, one shorty. Thanks again, Eric Hornick. Yeah. So, the- oh, well, it's funny you mentioned Pajot. Remember when we had Molly Walker on a couple weeks back? You know, that we were at, still at that point where the secondary scoring wasn't there. And I think one of the players yeah. that he had singled out was Pajot. And it's almost as if he took it as a call to arms. Because he was ever watching. since then, yeah, he was watching. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure JG Pajot was <laughs> spending his Sunday nights watching yeah. us. But he almost took it as a call to arms, and you've seen his play elevate, and I don't think his play ever really wasn't there. I think you're seeing it benefit from the fact that he's had more stability on his line, and now he's playing with a guy who's much more offensive-minded yeah. and giving him those opportunities. By yes. the way, it was the Buffalo game that uh, Wallstrom shot was uh, initially saved, and then Pajot scored on the rebound to win the game on, on the power play. I'm glad we cleared that up. Oh, I, mean, I just wanted to bring it back full circle and correct myself. No, that's that's good. I'm glad. That's way to way to be professional. Good job. I was all right. Respond to what I just said. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, Pajot has been a special teams darling mm-hmm. on this team. I mean, and that's the thing. And and you know the the team Barry Trotz. They've all been talking about just what kind of player he is. Even even Wallstrom actually has had a lot of great things to say about Pajot. How he's taken him under his wing yeah. and he's gone to him for advice and he's been nothing but great. So you want to talk about a guy who just totally acclimated himself to this team after coming over. I mean, you know, people were talking about the anniversary of the trade what, yes, yesterday yeah. or whatever it was. It was uh, earlier in the week. Fair enough. But just, you know, I mean, the guy has fit in like a glove and been one of the better acquisitions for this team in a trade in a, in a long time. I mean, I, you go back and you think of maybe Everly for Strom, mm-hmm. and then beyond that, it's like uh, Letty and Boychuk maybe, you know what I mean? So, I mean, just a huge, huge hit for Lou Lamarillo, and there's not too many people griping about the amount of money he got in his contract as there were when it happened. Because I remember there was a lot of grumbles about that contract. Right, and I think that a year later, I think every, almost everybody wrote it. I know I wrote about it for NYI Hockey Now. Yeah. I know it was a Newsday. I think Arthur Staple wrote about it in The Athletic. Was the fact that a year later, you're seeing the dividends pay off for this guy that, in fairness, there was a, there was a, 
a fair sense of sort of concern when the Islanders made that trade because it was a bit of a king's ransom to bring him here. You know, they gave yeah, away sure. a, a number of draft picks, then to sign him, they they invested a hefty amount of their cap space in him for the next several you know several years. So, in the end of the day, you've not only brought brought in a guy that's fit in like a glove. He's contributing offensively. You can put him in basically any spot, and he will he will succeed there, um, whether it's penalty kill, power play, center, wing, first line, third line, fourth line, second. Like, he fits in everywhere, and that's a huge asset. And then you add to the fact that he's essentially become a mentor for Oliver yeah. Wallstrom, and you look mm. at the dividends that's played because those young guys that we were talking about, you know, yeah. Dobson's, Wallstrom's, and Sorokin's, they all almost have a mentor-like player on the roster. You think of it, no, Dobson, it's been Andy Green. You look at Ily uh, Sorokin, it's been Semyon Verlon. And now, with the development of what's going on, it's been J.G. Pajot for Oliver Wallstrom. And that's been a huge benefit to both of those guys. I think both of them have really enjoyed playing with one another. And you've seen a real growth in both of their games. And that that sort of mentorship has become mutually beneficial. But that, I, I mean, going back to the main point I was making, that really is the complete package you could ask for when you bring yes. in a guy like that, like Pajot, to the organization for what you gave up. He has, it, he has invested in the community, invested in the fan base, invested in the organization, and he has made an impact in every sense of that. Yeah, and he plays his ass off. He plays with fire. I mean, you saw what he did, what, his first game against the Rangers last yeah. year, yep. uh, you know, fighting Truba. And even in the playoffs against uh, against Florida, remember when he threatened uh, <laughs> Brian Boyle, who was yeah. twice his size? So you just got to love the energy that this guy brings to the team, too. So just full marks to, to him and, and to Lula Marillo for, for citing that need, pulling the trigger, making it happen. And I don't think anybody's really worried about those draft picks anymore. No, no, it's gone. You know? it's, it's totally gone away from that sort of aspect. I think one of the other interesting things that, that has really kind of come about through all the success lately, especially with those young guys, is the conversation we were even uh, we were having maybe a month or so ago was mm-hmm. that this this rush to get the Bellos and Wallstroms into the lineup, uh, you know, yeah, you yeah. Know, the rush to get Noah Dobson into the lineup, um, you know, the rush to get Ilya Sorokin, all these starts, and I think it's kind of come back now, and and maybe there is a sense of you know rushing these. Maybe there is something that Lou Lam- to what Lou Amaral was saying, or you know, when he met with the media a couple weeks ago, that mm. players are rushed into the NHL. Um, you know, the Islanders have always sort of taken that. Slow and steady approach, especially under Lou Lamorello, and it's paid off. You'll remember Devontae's, um, you know, when he first got into the lineup in, in December or January, mm-hmm. uh, when Barry Trance wanted him in the lineup right at a training camp, and Lou kind of talked him out of it. Now, you look at what, what happened with Wallstrom, and people were clamoring to get him in yeah. the lineup, myself included. I, right, I mean, right. I wrote about it today, and I had to call myself out, and I, I wrote a column that said, Kiefer Bellows and Good Oliver Wallstrom need to be in the lineup. Yeah, well, yeah. they did not need to be in the lineup at that point in time. They needed some time to develop, and that's what you had. You had these two guys. Bellows is not so much at the moment, but Wallstrom really was given the first month or so of the season to be there, be around the organization, be around the team, and then when he was ready, be placed in the lineup in a spot that he's going to succeed in, and he's and he's just done just that. And yeah, I think there's something to be said for the patient and st- the steady and patient approach to what the Islanders have done there. It's going to sound crazy, Christian, but there's a reason why Lou Lamarillo, guys like him, and Barry Trotz get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, maybe they yeah. know what they're doing. Maybe, and maybe, maybe, maybe we maybe. Just, 
podcast hosts and and you know talk show guys uh, maybe don't know as much as yeah, they yeah maybe you just got to remind yourself of that you know every now and then like oh yeah that's right this is their job this is what they do for a living <laughs> they they have championship rings to show for it yeah yeah Lou Lemerell is a hall of famer he is <laughs> he is and just to round out this secondary scoring talk also got to bring up Josh Bailey seven assists in his last eight games thank you once again Eric Hornick yeah. Uh, so th- it's coming around. It's, it's taking a little longer. Even Brock Nelson, he's starting to pot some goals. He's getting on the score sheet. And thankfully, Anthony Beauvillier got his first goal versus Boston, that pesky little goal where he yep. stole the puck in front of the net and put it between the legs before the goal even knew where it was. He's got three points in seven games since his return. Not exactly great, but it's something. He's got a goal on We're the board. continued growth. Yes, and the fact that other guys in the lineup now are picking up the slack. You can afford him a little more time to get going yeah. because all the guys we just talked about are going right now, too. So a lot of good things going on in Islander country. And, man, we're going long here, but we still got to get to the hero. Before we do that, I do want to remind everybody that R.J. Daniels is the place to be in Rockville Center when you're looking to watch Islander games this season. They're going to have specials all season long. $5, 16-ounce Barn Rocker Ales, $14 Bud Light Pitchers, $17 Domestic Buckets, $4 Domestic Bottles or Pints. Got plenty of food specials as well. Head on down to 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center for pregame until the final horn or 10 o'clock, whichever comes first. Well, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. That's right. That's right. There yeah. you go. That's right. They extended. Extra hour. That's right. Party time, Long Island. <laughs> there you go. But yes, RJ Daniels for Islander Games. They got the sound on. Great stuff. Great staff. So head on down if you're looking for a place to watch the Islanders. The New York Islanders. Yes, and and soon enough, fans won't have to watch the game on television from their homes or from uh, R.J. Daniels because they will be letting fans they in the building. May just very get into soon. the building. <laughs> may just get into the building very very soon. So, what do you say we do the hero now? All right, the hero of the week. You yeah. ready for that? Yeah. Okay, let's do it right now. Folks, when you hear this song, that means it is time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Blue Liner, featuring chicken cutlet, bacon, melted American cheese, Russian dressing on a toasted garlic hero. That's right, the Blue Liner. Get it for half price all week, starting tomorrow. That's Tuesday through Sunday, where we'll announce a brand new half-off hero. Stop in and mention Hockey Night in New York for half-off the Blue Liner. So, Christian, yes, who went first last week? I put this responsibility on you to remember. You went first last week. Well, then, Christian, please do the honors. Well, I think uh, I, I think by the way we've been talking about this specific player the last uh, hour or so, it's uh-huh. pretty easy to figure out who our hero, well, my hero of the week Yours. is. Yours. Anyway. You speak for yourself. And not so for us. my hero of the week is obviously... Did I do this right? No, you didn't. You hit the wrong one. You, oh. Sparky's not your hero. Uh-huh. Hey, look, everybody. It's Sparky the Dragon. Well, maybe Sparky is my hero. That's, right. that's my name on this, this yeah. button. Yeah, all right. Let's. You know what? Next time you'll get it. There you go. That's the oh, one. That's very confusing. Oliver Wallstrom <laughs> is the hero of the week. You know what? Sparky can be my hero of the week, too. Okay, fine. But uh, Oliver Wallstrom, Hero of the Week, obviously for all the things we've been talking about the last uh, hour or things. so about yeah. him. I mean, his, his point production has been off the charts. Five uh, Four-game Point streak, five points in his last four games over that stretch. Mm. Of course, you have uh, him putting up the power play goal the other night. Yes. And uh, just phenomenal play. The confidence level, him putting the puck on the net, him he not looks afraid good. of shooting, uh, shoot the puck. And, very exciting. Uh, <laughs> very exciting. So Oliver Wallstrom is my hero of the week. Okay. Okay. 
I like it. Obviously, for, for all of those reasons, an excellent nominee for Hero yes. of the Week. And I'm even going to say that let's, I'm not even going to pretend. The guy deserves the Hero of the Week. But I get to choose my own. And I want to give another guy recognition oh. who has been flying under the radar, I feel like, all season. Neil Kamarov? <laughs> no, he has not been flying <laughs> under the radar. Everybody notices him every shift, every breath that that man takes. Everybody notices, and you see it on Twitter all the time. No, I'm talking about a guy who has suddenly f- found his way into being tied in points, second in points with the team. Oh, with, I know who you're talking with about. With Anders now. Lee. Oh. And this is a, a defenseman. By the name of Nick Letty. Got to give this guy a shout out here. Because like I said, tied for points here. One goal, 13 assists. Leads the team with eight power play points. Thank you, Eric Hornick. Five points, all assists in the last four games. So he's got his own little four-game streak going on right now. Three of which were on the power play. He's logging his 20 minutes plus a night. And a lot of people a little worried about his and Scotty Mayfield's pairing here. Uh, you know, as far as looking at that D after Devon Taves goes, and you have this newfound pairing here, and I think you got to give the guy some pre- some credit. He's looking like the Nick Letty of old because I feel like the past couple of years, you know, he kind of hasn't been that go-to guy that he was initially. He was usually going to be your your point leader on the defense. Obviously, when you have guys like Ryan Pulla coming up, he's going to be you know more of the focus there. He's he's obviously munching more minutes, top pairing now with Pellick, right? Getting the power play time and stuff. But look, Nick Letty. Having himself a good year so far, fourteen points in seventeen games, right? I think this, no, I think that's a very. Uh, it's a I might very, be wrong about that. <laughs> I probably am. It's a very good choice. I don't disagree with that uh, being a, a a good choice as well. Although I, I kind of, I actually thought we were going to have the same uh, hero of the week again this week. Like I said, I agree with you. I I think Wally's the guy. You're going to see his face tomorrow next to a sandwich oh, nice. when we promote the hero of the week. But I feel like uh, Nick Letty needed some recognition here. Oh, absolutely. No, no. So. I think he obviously one of my biggest pet peeves, and I know we talk about it all the time, is that. But defensemen, you never the only recognition they get is if they're making and they're playing out of their mind, or they score a goal, or they're when mistakes. they're making mistakes. Yeah. And so that always drives me crazy. So when we get an opportunity to highlight something that doesn't necessarily get Looked at as much, I'm always for it. Yeah, I feel like it was a, a quiet 14 points. It just kind of crept up on us. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I sudden, oh, look, hey, for, look who it is. For someone who watches hey, for the team every game, and, yeah. uh, every, all these games, that definitely did creep up on you a little bit. And there's one more conversation I want to have before we pretty much uh, start to wrap this up. And that is, that is Semyon Varlamov. Okay. I want to talk about the talk Revolving around him, no, no, no. Revolving around him after that game against the Penguins that they lost on Saturday. Okay, had a little bit of a rough outing, but I mean, some people were just giving him the business, and I just thought there was no place for it. I mean, you know, the first goal he loses the the edge on the power play, and Crosby, you know, he hits the open net. Second one, I'll give you that one. Probably should have been stopped. Yeah, but. Neither one of those goals would have happened if our hero of the week didn't take a stupid penalty right beforehand. Well, your hero of the week. No, no. Oh, oh okay, okay. Our, our main hero. Gotcha, Ali, gotcha. your hero, gotcha. your guy, your guy. Yeah. yeah. He takes that stupid boarding penalty when they have all the momentum. They're controlling the play. They have the 2 nothing lead. And to be honest with you, I was wondering if Barry was going to bench him, show a little discipline. Yeah. After that, because I mean, it would be very Barry Trotz. It would be very NHL head coach. Well, I mean, I, he's I, a young well, guy. There I, are I certain players saying. that that definitely do not get the uh, the same situational well, treatment. If okay, that, if that would happen. You're right, uh, but you look at his age. 
He's just get breaking into the league here. He's still got a lot of lessons to learn. Yeah, no, no I'm not and, saying it's not. It wouldn't be right. I'm just saying right. it's not necessarily. Well, I'm 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 painting the picture as to as to why this would be a scenario why a guy like Barry or another NHL coach would do it because of his circumstances. I I, I understand where you're coming from, not just anybody. So I was like, hmm. I was like, what's this going to mean for the kid? And he comes back out and he plays the rest of the game. So I guess Barry looked at it where he's playing so well, he's got to keep him in the lineup, but. I mean that that was the turning point of that game. You know, you can you can yell at Varlamov all you want, and he, I I even give him a break on the overtime goal because it got deflected on the way in. He thought it was going one way, one way it goes the other way. I have a buddy of mine's like Varley's got to have that. I was like, he thought it was going in another direction. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that because it's I clearly just something that bothered you. Well, you look at the season that this guy has had, and you know, you talk about all the guys who who were who were praising right now. Right for for finally coming around and putting up points and scoring goals that wasn't happening not too long ago. And guess yeah. who was who was bailing those guys out? Semyon Varlamov. Yeah. So maybe he's up. The guy's having like a near vestness season right now. I mean, he's had what? He's, he's tied for the lead in the shutouts, right? He's got three shutouts. Yeah, already. which is, I mean, been insane. He's been he's been the, phenomenal, those, and those, the, especially those games. He's not came, the reason they lost. On those Saturday. games came. When the Islanders were really relying on one line to score all of their goals, that's my point. So, I, I no, I see what you're saying. I just guess I didn't really pay that much attention to. Well, get some it of together, that. man. No, no, I, I paid attention to the game. I meant I didn't pay attention to the <laughs> sort of nonsense that happens every once in a while outside of the game. You know, okay, the reaction, the sort of knee jerk reaction to different events. Well, I mean, you know, that's Islander country, man. Well, I think that's every fan base. So I just wanted to touch on that. Give the guy a break. He's been lights out for the most part this season. This is yeah. like your leave Brittany alone moment right here. <laughs> I guess it is in a, in a weird way, yeah. I suppose. I'm just not crying. Only on the inside. Apparently, no, you were yeah. very fired up about that. I Well, you know what? I felt like it was something worth addressing. And here we are. Very clearly. Here we are. Hopefully hopefully, uh, the listeners out there agree. No, no. I, I think I think most, again, uh, I think it was something I said last week, two weeks ago, where I said I think most people understand the circumstances of what's going on. And then you kind of have that vocal minority that, um, you know, feels the need or the, the desire or whatever the case may be to bring that out on Twitter and that kind of takes up most of the space where it seems like everybody's feeling that way when in reality maybe it's just a small group of people. So that's maybe why I don't pay it as much mind as you did there because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you were very, very, very defensive of Varley. I feel the guy deserves a little defense. Oh, no, I can see that. I can very <laughs> clearly see that. Like that. I don't think I don't think anyone's denying I mean, you feel that Christian, way, Sean. I've I've slept fine since that night. I don't know. I don't know I'm if just did. saying this is like last I week all over again. It. Once again, I think I think you're just building this stuff up, man. <laughs> I no, think you are. No, Sean, it's okay. <laughs> I'm I, all right. I'm all right. This is a weekly therapy session apparently from from the spots that we run before the show starts. That's right. Although I thought we were supposed to be the thought we were supposed to be the therapy therapists. It's, it's therapy, not for the all other of way us. around. It's self help. It's it's uh, helping everyone else. We're, we're we're helping each other. We're even helping you, Christian. You don't even know it. We're helping you be a better man. I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'm sure you are, Sean. I'm sure you'd like to think that anyway. Sure, sure. So we already know who they're playing. We talked about it already. You got the Devils tomorrow night. Yes, sir. Got three games against the Sabres. Yes, sir. And so we we did this prediction thing last week. You want to give it another go this time? Yeah, let's let's do it. See how wrong we can be again. Take it away, No, we were actually, well, you were closer than I was. Of course I was. You you said, uh, what, six of eight last week? Yes, I was off by one. All right. Yeah. This week, it's, this is, it's, I'll say... 
I'd say six of eight. Six of eight. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to see your six, and I'm going to raise you one to so a seven. seven. <laughs> you're that guy. I'm going to go to seven. That's right. Oh. That's right. No, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they drop one of those games against Buffalo. Maybe like an overtime. Yeah. But look. Well, that's where the seven comes in. That's why you would say seven of eight. Exactly. We'll take care of the Devils tomorrow. <laughs> and then they'll take two out of three against Buffalo. I think, you know, look, you play a team three times in a row like that, maybe maybe you'll get caught, you know, uh, on one, in one of those games. And they, they, haven't, they haven't won a game in overtime yet or a shootout. Yeah. When it goes past regulation, it's been bad news. But it also doesn't ha- go past regulation that often either. I mean, now well, more recently. And that's actually like one of the nice things for the Islanders. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think they have the most regulation wins in the division because that's that's the only time. That's literally the only time they win. <laughs> and then you have teams like Pittsburgh, teams like Washington right. that are squeezing out these wins in overtime. And this could end up being a huge factor when we get to May and it's time to figure out who's playing who. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who, who's going to even make the playoffs? Or who gets in? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a great point too. I hate, I hate you saying that. I hate saying that out loud. It's a, it's a. I love it when you. It's say an that. interesting point that should be taken under advisement <laughs> in a positive note. Well said, pal. No, but well I, 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 it's no. It's a, it's a good point. It's a good point. It's it's fine. Whatever. I can I can compliment you. Wow, I'm so pr- see. You are growing, Christian. See, I was. This is exactly what I was talking about. You're becoming a better man. You, your 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 humility is showing. Right, you can compliment others. This is big for you. This is big for you. I've always come been on. Able, everybody I've at home, clap for Christian. To compliment others. You just make it very hard to compliment your you. I don't. I don't know why that would be. Uh, I don't get I don't, it. Uh, I don't understand. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> so are we? Sounds good? about right. I don't understand much. Are we? Uh, you don't. Are we good here? You don't. And we're gonna we're gonna be back regularly scheduled time next week, right? Yes, because well, it's the a Islanders noon game, right? You know, one one I thought one p.m. and one p.m. I think it's noon, but it might be one. Maybe you're right. You're supposed to. Know. I mean, it's an it's hour. Normal. It's an hour difference. So it's in the care. afternoon. Yeah, it's an afternoon. It's, what, it's a craft hockey day in USA or something like that. Hockey day in America. Hockeyville. Isn't it like some special day? Am I, I wrong? Just, I just want to see you keep going. Obviously, I'm wrong. So tell me what it is. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there's some special event. Uh, tied around this game, they're going to be really? on NBC. Yes, they're gonna, they got the NBC spot. For I'm lucky in something. The, buff, the mighty Sabers <laughs> against the New York Islanders. Prime time in the afternoon. NBC, Channel Four. Pierre Maguire, probably our buddy Sal's favorite. Well, it'd probably be Kenny <laughs> Albert. Kenny Albert's now the main uh, voice. Well, taking over from friend of the program, Doc Emmerich. Well, no, Pierre Maguire is, is, is the man in the middle, man. He's the man in the booth. He's, he's in between benches. He's not, he's not doing the... Uh, no, no, I meant, I meant play-by-play. It's right. Kenny Albert is the, the play-by-play guy. Okay. We were talking about two different things. And, the, and I was right. No, this is from last year. We're looking this oh. up. If someone in the chat knows, that'd be great. Uh, it's not that important. Well, it's now I want to know. I want to either prove well, you right we're or... We're wasting people's time. There. The people are watching and listening. Yeah, people to this just right watch, now. just waste their time for an hour and hour and fifteen minutes. What's <laughs> another? Like what's that. another two minutes? I guess when you put it that way. <laughs> I try and find out. Yeah, hang, hang around while while Christian looks on his laptop. I think I think we should we should give this a miss. People can find out themselves. It's not a big deal. I'm going to keep looking. You can wrap up the show. All right. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, want to thank you for tuning in to Twitch No Hockey Week in America was. February fifteenth through the twenty first. Okay, so it's not. So I'm wrong. I'm completely wrong. wrong. You're wrong. There's something tied to the game next week. I'm telling you, man. So anyway, want to send a big thanks out to Blue Line Telling You Bagels for sponsoring the show. Located at seven nineteen West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, head on over for great food, better service, and fantastic people. 
Check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com for their great selections and hockey-themed heroes, including the Hockey Night in New York. And a big thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TieTechnology.com. That's T-I-E Technology.com for all your telecom needs. Or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. That's right, three free months of service. Give them a call. Big thanks to Joe Yurden, Buffalo Sabres insider, for joining us. Awesome spot from him. We got to learn all the tales of woe about the Buffalo Sabres. It is, it is depressing up there. And again, big thanks to you guys for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe at your favorite podcast provider. Encourage your friends to follow and watch us on Twitch. Follow Christian at C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shoney Hockey on Twitter. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll be back at a regularly scheduled time next week at 8 o'clock on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Have yourselves a great rest of your Monday night. We'll see you next time. You got I, something to say? I think it's just an no, NBC there's, game. No, there's totally it's just something going an on. Nope, nope, something going on. I mean, I mean yep. someone said that you were nope. right, but I don't believe it. It's, yeah. it's, I think see, it's just an they NBC. said I was right because, and we stayed in the hero that, that screamed the whole time. <laughs> ah, that's a lot of product placement for Donnie. So here we go. We're ending soon now, folks. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Um, Take care. You're wrong, Sean.